Hey everyone, Bob WP, and it's episode 130. We're back with the Woo Roundtable. If you have an interest in what's going on with the marketplace at WooCommerce.com, this is the show for you. So if you've been thinking about being part of the marketplace or just curious to get behind the scenes, it's all there. So let me quit my blabbing and let's get on with the show. Welcome everybody to this WooCommerce Builder Community event, uh, the WooCommerce Roundtable with guest Adebisho Odue. Odie, apologies. Um, it's happening every, every four weeks as part of the Do The Woo events. So this WooCommerce Roundtable is a discussion where we learn what's happening at WooCommerce. And today we are um, joined by Adebisho who works at the uh, marketplace. So we're going to find out so much more detail of what's, how it operates, what you're working towards, and also if you've learned anything from, from mistakes in the past. Obviously not your mistakes, but other people's <laughs> mistakes. But I can't do it on my own. There are a few panelists here, lots of people in around the table. First of all, I'm going to welcome Tonya Monk. Tonya, welcome. You are the WordPress core wrangler at uh, Automatic. Tell us a little bit uh, short about yourself and some past. Sure. So, hi, I'm Tanya. And, yep, today is my first time. They've been holding my seat for me to join the roundtable. Thank you for that, by the way. Let's see, I joined Automatic earlier this year. Before that, I was CTO at a performance, web performance company. Before that, head of engineering at XWP. And I wanted to work full-time in the WordPress core. So, Josefa said, come join us. And so now that's what I do. I work full-time in WordPress core. I have some experience with WooCommerce. I don't have a lot. So what I bring to the table is one, the perspective of core WordPress, and then coming from a background in, in engineering leadership, I bring strategy and, and different ways of approaching. Thank you. That's really good. Robert Jacoby, Director of WordPress at CloudWays. Now you, you spoke at uh, WordCamp Europe this week. How did that go? That was fantastic. WordCamp Europe was one of my favorites for a million reasons. It's much more my favorite when it's in person, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was done splendidly. So I really enjoyed it. I, the networking was surprisingly good for virtual platform. People were very much engaged, both Q&A sessions as well as tables and the virtual rooms and all that. The team really knocked it out of the park. I was really pleased and impressed. Probably owner of OS Training. Also, you have your own agency in development <laughs> using different platforms. So again, a view from outside looking in, but also from inside looking out. Great to have you here. Thank Any you. news you can share with us? Anything you would be working on? It's been crazy busy lately, but uh, yeah, we've got some uh, new courses that are coming out in the WordPress world. And uh, we've got one in the works that'll be WooCommerce related as well. So we're excited about that. And uh, we are, I'll go ahead, since we just talked about WordCamp Europe, I'll also say that WordFest is coming up, everybody. And we're one of the media sponsors on that. We're excited about that. It was a great WordFest last time. So we're, we're looking forward to another great WordFest this year. Great. So I know you, you've been on the podcast with Bob uh, a month or a couple of months ago and very well documented where you came from. You worked at the New York Times. You've also been part of a startup of uh, Rebel Mouse, which is a, mm-hmm. it's a great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> so you've landed at, uh, at Automatic and now it's part of the WooCommerce team. A couple of months later, you wake up in the morning. What does your, work, your day look like? Who do you work with? Who do you Ooh. communicate with? Uh, give us a sort of a snapshot, paint a picture of what, what it looks like, what you're doing. Yeah, the day is never the same, and I like it that way. 
So my role at WooCommerce, specifically the marketplace, is I am business development lead, essentially looking at our inventory, looking at what, how, like strategically how it can grow, where we have gaps, but also looking at, so that's like the outbound side of it, but the inbound side of it too is it's crazy a month over month, year over year since we've opened up how much, how much activity and how much uh, demand we're getting, people who are just submitting. And so being able to review those, you get a few a day that you want to review and make sure that you know, the right ones are getting onboarded. So definitely spend a lot of my time just looking at the marketplace and where we can grow and what are the opportunities and also managing the relationship with our current partners. So at this point, we have about 160. And so it's obviously there, there are different levels of engagement with, with certain types, just based on who's plugged in or who has certain kind needs, but definitely managing those relationships. That's all me. So it's fun. It's exciting. And then on the side of that is thinking strategically about our roadmap and looking at just where else we can go internally and just documenting and having meetings. So there's all that, but a lot of it is just looking at what's coming and having those conversations with our partners, because that kind of feedback for me is super important that we're, that I get it. And then I'm circulating it internally. That's a steep learning curve too. The only way to do it though. It's, it's the only way to do it. I, yeah. I, I, I gotta say, I've been having so much fun since I started, what, I think this is nine and a half months. But you, I, I've said, I think I said on the previous podcast that the WordPress, WooCommerce community and the stakeholders, which include our partners, they're not shy. They have an opinion and they will tell you what, and that's what I appreciate. So no better way to learn than by talking to, having conversations with partners. Yeah. I'm going to start with a sort of a first opening question because <laughs> the marketplace, we've seen it grow from quite an exclusive club, very close to, to something opening up, 160, ex- 160 extensions or? Mer- no, partner, merchants. And when we talk, when we talk about, when we talk about extensions, that's right now probably like 650 plus so so a little over it so we i'll get into more of this but we're definitely in in growth mode and that's to the benefit of our of our um, end users for sure so the marketplace who does it serve is it who, who's there is it woocommerce is it the user is it the merchant when you onboard merchants um or new plugins who do you have in mind as the, the main benefits? I, I think it's always important for me to have the end merchant in mind. So I, obviously I'm day to day is focusing on partners and supporting their businesses. They're building businesses with, with e-commerce, but their products definitely have to serve the merchants. We have to see like collaboratively that there's a need for a product that they're building. So that's what the submission and review process and the audit onboarding process is all designed to really make sure that our partners and a new partner that's submitting, like they had merchants in mind, they had a need that they're filling in mind when they were creating a product. So it is at the end of the day, you have to make sure that it's something that will be of value to a merchant who's browsing our marketplace. Yeah. Tonya, I know we, we spoke earlier about it. Do you have a, a business background? What What's your sort of take on what's happening with the marketplace? I'm very curious about the whole chain, right? Because to me, it seems like there needs to be balance. If there's a need, Mm -hmm. merchant has a need, we need product vendors to be able to fill the need so the need doesn't go unresolved. So it needs to be a great experience across the board for all. So when I'm thinking about it, and that's what we were talking about before the show, was some of the onboarding process then for the product vendors who are coming in. I'm thinking about, I've got a couple of different questions there. Why don't I go with the first one? We talked about 
how are those needs surfaced? And then how do, for example, if I'm a product vendor and I'm interested in participating, I need to be able to identify this particular need. Uh, and I know that I can feel that then when I give my effort to submit, that I know that I'm going to be able to get into so what's that matching look like? How do I discover needs and then match those up? I think at, at the end of the day, it's important to understand first where where WooCommerce in the marketplace is. And Ronald, you alluded to it, right? That we were for the longest time a closed marketplace and where we were only working with a small handful of vendors, partners, where we were one and done on certain type of product and we just kept it closed because we almost like we almost had to because just for the sake of just quality control is new. But really in the past two years, we've made a point to open it up because it, it made sense and it aligns with the WordPress value proposition as a whole. We are giving our merchants optionality. Right. So it in and the ability to customize their stores. So in order to do that, they have to be able to look at products that can help them customize. They have to be able to pick and choose and browse. So the idea is we are definitely letting in a way more product in the marketplace than than ever before. That said, that said, we do have our guidelines and we try to surface those guidelines. They're public on in our via WooCommerce, our documentation. But in the onboarding flow, like at the very beginning, we surface these guidelines on, okay, this is what the marketplace is. This is who's shopping there. These are, you know, the products that we see need, or these maybe are the, the categories that we have saturation. Here is documentation about these are like UX documentation and guidelines and for themes for extension. So we, we try to surface that up as early as possible. So people have an idea about whether their products are aligning with where we're trying to grow the marketplace. And even more with that said, at the end of the day, I look at a submission, whether, because we have fields in there that talk about, it's not just what does your product do and give us a walkthrough. It's, you know, why do you think merchants need this? What was your impetus for building it? What real, what are the key features that it includes? So that we know that you did your due diligence and you're basically convincing me that, okay, and, the, and whoever's looking at the submission, that, okay, this serves a need that is not explicitly outlined in our guidelines. And that's and, and I love being open to seeing a submission where I'm just like, oh, this is really cool. And oh, they saw that there was a need for this by seeing how many Google search results there are for this particular search term. I love that. So in that way, I'm being um, educated every day, I would awesome. say. I, I have a, and I, and I know Tanya, I'm gonna let you get back to your other part of your question too, but I wanna, I like to skip ahead too, because I want to talk about end user, because just like you said, there's 600 and something. How do I, as that end user, how do I find what's new? How do I keep, are there, are there emails I should subscribe to? Are there places I could go online where I can get, here's the latest, like, where can I get that information so that I can, if things are coming in that quickly too, like, how do I stay on top of this as an end user? Totally. And that's the thing too. It's, there's, there's so many, there's so many launches, so many great products. And at a, to a certain extent, it has to be a bit self-selecting as a marketplace in the past, like over the past year, we've done a lot to improve like the algorithm. So we're really surfacing the right product to the right user at the right time. So based on what they're searching for, based on how they've navigated uh, WooCommerce.com, what they're doing, like on what they're searching in, in for in the back end. So that, that personalization layer has been a big focus over the last 
last year. So it's like maybe that organic search. But when you talk about what we're pushing, we do have newsletters and you can sign up on WooCommerce.com, like throughout WooCommerce.com or okay. in the marketplace just to get things like staff picks or or what's new with Woo in terms of you know recent launches or initiatives. But and then on WooCommerce and like within the marketplace homepage, just we also surface those staff picks and also just like selections, recommendations on collections and if you're building this type of store, then you might want to think of these products. So we try to do a bit of that curation as well. But for the most part, as our marketplace overall, because there's so much out there, there's so many different marketplaces. And we're not even talking about like between WooCommerce and Shopify. There's so many environments where you can find WooCommerce products. We really strive to have the marketplace be uh, a place where there's almost guaranteed, you can't guarantee, but more trust more security, more quality. That's like the balance of it all. Like we push, but it's also like a self-selecting process as well. And then we try to have that level of curation from the very beginning. Do you think that's as a result of uh, WooCommerce having that closed marketplace that you have various other marketplaces popping up, getting quite big and strong because WooCommerce used to be so close? And is this now a sort of reverse reaction to that and take the opportunity back uh, building up to your own marketplace? Yeah, I think there there may be a little bit of that, but I, I don't necessarily think, at least I don't see it as a necessarily missed opportunity. Or And I don't necessarily think that it's an industry where these different marketplaces can't coexist. Like, I actually you know, love being able to see in Envato like what's doing well, what's not. They have that history of product sales. Whatever. So you, you could get to see what's actually really working well and what's trending. So at the end of the day, I just see it all working together. And but at the end of the day, yes, it is being able to position the marketplace as like, all right, maybe a bit more curation, maybe a bit more strategic in, in how we grow, where we grow. But again, like it's amazing to me how it all can work together and serve different purposes for different audiences. And I'm, I'm so you know thrilled that Wu is realizing sort of the opaque nature of what used to be the process. I'm very curious that if I have a new extension Mm-hmm. What are those metrics that I need to hit to get on the list? What's the buy-in? What's the commission? Like- All these dirty secrets <laughs> in the background about what does it really take to be part of the co- marketplace? And now I'll stress this again, but it, it really has become a self-selecting marketplace where I talked again about the the algorithm and, and like how, what gets surfaced when, and it, 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 we do, we now have pulled in ratings and reviews as part of that algorithm. We pull in just search data. So at the end of the day, and I'll go back to the question, but if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, the audience who is shopping the marketplace will let you know one way or another. So it's like being open means there is more competition. You have to be on your toes. As a as someone who has a product in the marketplace, you're there, you're like, you don't just like, rest on your lower. So you have to stay on your toe. And that's, I think, always great for the marketplace in general. But in terms of how to get on, how to get into Club Woo, Woo Marketplace. Sure, let's uh, call it Club Woo. <laughs> I think to start with, they need to pronounce your name correctly. That's, I think that's the, yeah. the key. <laughs> that's step number one to submit. <laughs> yeah. Like you submit a voice recording. But honestly, when, so First and foremost, you don't, I don't see a submission until it goes through our linter, right? Until it goes through code review. I only look at it once it says that it has passed code review. So I think that is step step one 
is we have like our code standards built into the linter so that you have to, some a lot of time a vendor partner will have to go through a couple of steps until or a couple of revisions until it's a, it's approved on the coding side and and then once that happens there's a business review and a lot of that like probably 90% of that I'm looking at and I'm seeing what you included in your responses when you were submitting the application what is the need for this what can you tell me about the demand like I'll look through like the back end demo as well as like how it looks on the front end um, just a video. And so it's just like the the process, the submission process is designed really to be just kind of straightforward. There is a bit of, do we really need this? Or a consideration of if we have a saturated category, whether it makes sense to accept this. But it really is like, your code has to be up to snuff. You have to have some rationale behind your product. And it ha- it has to look good in terms of how it was designed for back end and the front. And I, will, I should also say that we, we expect partners to manage support at the end of the day and manage product updates. So they're in charge of that. And so that's part of the agreement of becoming um, a marketplace vendor is that you take on those responsibilities as well. And you said that you guys are like improving the algorithm. So you're getting a lot of metrics. Do you feed back those metrics every month or, or at some point to those vendors so they know where do they fall in the rankings and things like that so they can try and improve? So we do have our, our partner dashboard. So every partner that comes through, they have a partner dashboard where they can look at the just the subscriptions, number of subscriptions and, and revenue for their products. And To your point, though, Robbie, it is on us to be able to surface the data back to our partners so that they're learning about how they need to be better. And to that end, like we've built out, particularly between over last year and this year, a very robust roadmap that includes a lot of updates to particularly like the partner dashboard and like the partner experience that includes surfacing more actionable data listing the refund reasons, providing more data around the traffic to their product pages, listing where they stand or giving them a score on customer service, giving them more insight there so they understand how they're performing within the partner ecosystem. So those are, and that's something we've seen over time, again, feedback from partners and just understanding like what's going on in the industry. That's something that we just have prioritized for the last year, rolling out some initial updates, but more to come this year. But that's very exciting for for our partners existing and new who are coming on board. It's on it's on, definitely on us too. And I think as in terms of what also differentiates like the Woo marketplace from, from other marketplaces or what the expectation is. We have the expectation to provide guidance. Like I I see myself and then the the broader marketplace team as facilitators. We are helping to facilitate your business. So we have to make sure we're providing the tools to enable you. Like it's a two-way street, it's a two-way contract, I see it. And so we have to make sure we're, we're doing what we can to make sure your business or the part of business that lives on the marketplace has a fair shot. Yeah, they can't fix it. They don't know it's broken. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I, I have two examples in the past few months where, you know, ahead of us being able to surface refund reasons, like manually, I provided just some what I could gather and the way one of our partners was able to like leverage that and take action and turn it around and was so proud of the fact that 30 days after there were no refunds, like that's when you know that if you give the right information, they will take it and run. So it's on us to, to do that, to provide that. One of the things I was thinking about was there, the, the vetting process from submission and getting that through would be intensive, right? It, there's a lot of legs to it. I'm wondering 
wondering, do you foresee or are there things in the roadmap, a future state to where that self-check can be moved somewhat to the vendor before they submit so that they, they can go through and run the linters and run fit and so on. Is there some sort of something in the plan that you're foreseeing? They actually they actually can run the linter locally and we have that in documentation. But to your point, and one of the things that was noted probably in the last few months was that it is buried. It is not as, I guess, as surface as it should be. So that's one of the things when we look at, okay, how do we, as part of our roadmap initiative, we're looking at okay, onboarding, how to make it flow better. That's definitely one of the things that we say, oh, we can surface this better because that way, once they get into the formal submission process, they've done the due diligence, they've run the lintern, they can just drop it and the back and forth doesn't have to be as long. And that helps us too. That means that we're also getting our products in better. So in the spirit of trying to minimize the the onboarding times that become super useful. But specifically, that's a great question because it is something that we noticed was, was buried probably in a very specific area could be extremely useful if we surface that more prominently. It's going to be less load on the team too, as it comes in that we'll have a better fit before it comes in to even see, nope, you're in a saturated market. Yep, this is a known need, those types of metrics that can be analyze before that self-check before you even submit to make sure. Yeah, I do see a lot of potential partners and vendors who put in a ticket, like a support ticket, and just say, hey, this is not the right area, but <laughs> before we submit a product uh, to the marketplace, like, can we make sure we run this idea by someone? So I totally get that because even before you build something, you want to make sure it works. But again, that said, it's not when you're building for the marketplace, the, the way our terms are, we provide, I like to think that we provide the utmost flexibility or as much flexibility as we can for in, in an effort, in, in deference to, or in an understanding that, that our like vendors, and especially on WooCommerce, like they have different options, different places where they can, they can submit and launch their extensions or their products. So we have exclusive terms, but also non-exclusive terms. We don't want to necessarily box anyone in. You can have an exclusive product in a marketplace, but you could also, your next one can be non-exclusive. So we like to keep that flexibility because again, we understand that we're an open source platform. There are different marketplaces. Again, you're building a business. So we want to be able to, we want you to be as flexible in promoting and, and striving for excellence for your business as possible. Well, that's good because that does serve that in market, our merchant, to, to know that you've got high quality folks in there that are providing products that can serve their needs, which I would think is that balance that we talked about. You mentioned the terms. What do those kind of look like? <laughs> The terms. If people are you know, thinking about that, is, is it worth their while to put all that fixed time and cost into you know going through the process if they're only going to get 10% back? I'm making up numbers, obviously, but I'm hoping you can actually provide more context around this. No, and this is in our guidelines, but our like our current RepShare split, when we talk about when we talk about like exclusive, it's a 60% take, uh, it's a 60%, 60-40 split, 40% take rate to to woo. If you're non-exclusive, it's flipped where it's a 60% take rate to woo. And what we're doing is we're constantly looking at like those terms and seeing whether that still makes sense, but that's definitely what it is now. And again, the our partners, when they submit, they can make that choice and whether they want to keep it exclusive or open it up. And then, and then what happens when you maybe acquire a partner that starts competing with the other partners. I'm looking at MailPoet as an example. MailPoet was acquired 
earlier this year and is a competitor to some degree with, you know, the Clavios, the MailChimps, uh, Constant Context. How does that affect the partner relationship? I think it's, uh, again, an understanding that this is an open marketplace. It's an open marketplace and it's a case by case basis. Like if there are agreement terms that were set that need to be revised, then fine. But for the most part, as an open marketplace, it's merchants will flock to what works best for them. And we don't try to control that. We're not going to necessarily, we're not going to kick somebody out because all of a sudden we have, we acquired male poet. That's just not how we roll. It's us making a decision, like the pharmacy making a decision about, about a certain bets they want to take and, and what makes sense for the teams that are in place. But it's it, it it it's not a it's not a like we acquired and we that that means that it doesn't make sense for us to be working with Melchior. That would just be that would just be nuts on our end. But it's a valid. But it's a absolutely Robert a valid a valid question. It's something to think about. It's almost because a lot of times when people talk about a marketplace, like in theory, yes, it's open practices behind the scenes. Does it really make sense, or are we practicing what we preach? Like. For sure. And you talk to different people in different areas, there'll be differing opinions. But at the end of the day, in terms of the marketplace, our goal is to keep that open and just being able to have the options for our merchants. Like our merchants, when you talk about there are going to be reasons why they go to male point versus versus MailChimp and vice versa. So it's like it's our job to be able to house or introduce the best products in the marketplace or the ones that make sense. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. If you or your clients have a team keeping your Woo shop running smoothly, it's even better to make sure you are on top of what's going on. WP Activity Log helps you or your clients keep track of team changes in WooCommerce, such as changes in the store settings, coupons, orders, products, and a lot more. Now this in turn improves team accountability and meeting those compliance requirements. And what's really cool, WP Activity Log allows you to show your clients what you've been working on during development and even maintenance. So I suggest you get on top of that and visit WPActivityLog.com. Staying on top of things, what about managing all those client projects in one place? The GoDaddy Pro Hub does just that, and it's free. From a single dashboard, you will have control over your client sites, products, and projects in one seamless experience. Save time on repetitive site maintenance tasks. Access all your client accounts with a single sign-on and use tools that improve client collaboration. And top that off with priority support and it's the all-in-one hub. Learn all about it by simply going to dothewoo.io slash hub. So thank you GoDaddy Pro and WP Activity Log and let's head on back to the show. So um, I, you, we've talked a lot about the onboarding and, and, and kind of your quality control that you've got in that area. But let's now talk about, and this may be, I'm kind of curious what's currently happening. And then if there's changes on your roadmap um, for how do you control, how do you keep the quality control there? Because for support on all of these um, uh, plugins. And so how does, the, how does that work? 
with your developers? What's the kind of relationship you have there with them so that the end user knows that what they're getting out of there, there's some sort of long-term quality assurance there? And we we understand there's not forever, but what is your current situation? And then what, if y'all are making any changes with your roadmap? Yeah, in terms of we constantly promote and are upfront in the in our marketplace guidelines when you start submitting how like what level of compatibility has to be with like current WordPress versions and and PHP versions and then and the fact that the agreement is that you will maintain support and update your product. So that is that that essentially at the end of the day because we are an open source we are open source software that is essentially going to be ends up being the point of differentiation between partner A and partner B. That's going to be the difference between getting a five-star rating and a two-star rating. So we definitely, so that, so that ends up being what gets prioritized on the support side. And when I, when we talk about how to support work, what's great is that for just going to a little bit specifics for pre-sale questions, we do have our Wu support team who is essentially the first line of defense for support with certain get a ticket. And because we require a lot in the submission process or pre-launch, so walkthroughs and all that stuff, that gets funneled back to our support team so that they're educated on a product to you know, up to a point and be able to answer those questions. So that hopefully that takes away a little bit of that upfront burden from our partners. Yeah, that's actually amazing. I didn't know that they were the first line of support. That is amazing for developers out there. Awesome, great to know. For, yeah, so that's for pre-purchase for the most part, but you get a lot of those inquiries and it's okay, like at least we had a team and we have a huge support team that can help, at least help with that to an extent. But then at the end of the day, if it's if it's a, a already existing customer, there is a place on the site where they can go pick their product, submit a ticket, and it goes directly to our developers. And it's you know, an opportunity for our developers to be able to see firsthand what issues are what issues could be like what they need to be focused on in terms of updating their, working on the next version of their product. So a lot of that gets surfaced like from their tickets, they get a lot of feedback. And as part of the like WordPress WooCommerce community, people are vocal. So <laughs> we get, a, and they'll just go off on a review or they'll rate it and they'll tell you exactly why. They don't care. They'll be like, this is not working. And we have to be careful too, because I, I, I do look at reviews as well as someone who's just like using reviews in order to like take down a, a, a vendor or a product. But, but for the most part, they are not shy in giving detailed feedback and giving reasons why they're poorly rating something or rating something really high. And so I think partners want to be able to minimize that and they think about that going in and and again that not only is that part of just a pride thing but it also feeds back into the algorithm and how your product gets surfaced so it's not just a review just yeah it's not just a review for review sake it's not a rating for rating sake it's feeding into where your product will rank in when a merchant enters a search term and we just recently did yeah and we just recently did a a, a huge uh, a huge update revamp of our ratings and reviews and it's a lot more it visual and it shows and it, and it gives a merchant an idea of how it how a product performs like on key attributes and so it's re- it was a really great um, update that we just made probably last month. Just one quick question while you're on that little topic: Do do developers have the ability to answer those reviews and do they have the ability to contest them if it is something like you're saying 
Yep, yep, and yep. So they can answer it. They and we encourage that they answer it too because I think that plays into the part of like part of that customer service. It's not just oh, I got a bad review and then like that's one and done. It's okay. Let me be curious enough to understand where this person is coming from and show others that we're responding to to this issue. But there are times when they contest it. There's in our Slack channels, they or they can ping me or people on the team. And contest something and we'll look at it. We have our ratings and review guidelines. So if something doesn't adhere to a rating review guideline, we look at it and we'll remove it if necessary. But again, we try to have our partners respond publicly and, and try to fix an issue. Because I think other merchants, other customers see that and it actually is ends up being a positive. A common uh, scenario, I think, is for users who install one, two, or maybe five or six, maybe 10 WooCommerce extensions. And then suddenly one thing doesn't work. There's an incompatibility between them. Uh, and it could be a third party. I've, years ago, I had the issue myself between a, a currency switcher and a, I think it's a table rate plugin. So you can, then the user ends up in this conflict between, well, this should be sorted by them or they should this and that. But by the looks of it, you, you, you see this happening all the time. What's in your oh, <laughs> roadmap? What's, how do you solve this? And, and ultimately, of course, this is for the end user, a really vital, crucial part of the popularity of WooCommerce. Yeah, we do encourage that that our that developers take into consideration making their product compatible with other popular extensions. So if like you say like WooCommerce subscriptions, like it just would make sense for a lot of extensions to be compatible with that, for example. There's so many use cases. And then also use the product page, as I like to say to developers, this is your sales page. This is where you talk about what like showcase the different use cases or outlet spell out the different use cases. We have an area where they can list out compatible products, make it front and center. And again, that also that those kind of things also play into the like our search algorithms too, right? Like compatibility, language, obviously like categories. So we urge developers to be very like upfront about and specific almost because this is it's their sales page. Again, that said, <laughs> you definitely have people who are uh, merchants and customers who, again, will their point of contention with a particular extension is that it doesn't work with another extension that may not may or may not be in the marketplace that the developer never actually said or claimed that it was compatible with. And so those are one of the things that we look at if a partner does contend or flag a review or someone flags a review is, okay, this is, is this really applicable? Does it really make sense? And so there are those cases. And that's and in terms of like, how do you combat against that? One of the things we did in the revamping of our ratings and review is we try to surface those guidelines early. So to the point about, you know, what we're doing for our developer partners, the same thing with customers who are about to submit a review, read through these guidelines. Do they, do, what you're about to write is applicable. Does this make more sense for as a support ticket versus a providing a review? Uh, so we try to surface that. Obviously, there's still, you know, people who want to vent and maybe have a, a you know, bad experience or really wanted it to work and it didn't work and those will come through. But we try to just like catch those like before they, they get published or afterwards if we need to remove it. And then we'll respond to the customer that left it and tell them why their review is taken down. So they don't they just don't think we're just like deleting ratings and reviews here and there. But it, it's part of what you have to 
deal with when it's such an open open source tech and when it's such like an open platform it's like those things will come through and people will just expect everything to work well together when a lot of times they won't because again it's about we don't know where you're getting certain products from it's like the quality the consistency is not there and they just might not be compatible yeah so we've been talking about discoverability quality metrics i'm wondering then if we flip the table around and now go to the merchant and talk about a bit the confidence and trust metrics so that when we're trying to if i'm a merchant and i'm trying to discover how can i have confidence that this particular product one is going to fill my needs but two i'm going to break my site so Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's what we try to solve for when we when we have products go through our linter, when we go through the business reviews, when we go through various reviews, when extensions and things, right? Like it goes through deep, it goes through pretty deep reviews. Uh, they go through pretty deep reviews, but to your but to an extent, it's like it's balance. It's balancing like reviewing a product versus getting them in and letting them be part of this like self-selecting or self-running marketplace. And, I, and that's something that we we have to continue. That's our goal is to invite in products that we feel are the best quality, but it's, it's, it's really interesting to balance. And it's, I think it's something that, that I'll continue to look at personally, but the team will continue to look at is like, how do you balance an open marketplace with while trying to like 100% ensure quality? And it's, I, I tell you, it's tough because I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you stuff because a lot of times too, like even just looking at a, a like a product walkthrough or video that doesn't necessarily tell me, that doesn't tell me as much as I need to know about whether it's going to work while they're, especially as partners, vendors create new versions, publish new versions. So there's no, and it goes through the linter every time they, they do a new version. But still, when you talk about, there's like the code quality, but then there's this kind of like the more ambiguous, does it look good? Is it like mm-hmm. the best possible, best possible design experience? And those are things that are maybe not, and like themes, like you almost have to do, you have to go deep because it's themes, it's like what we see. So you really can't skip on the design part, but with extensions, it's hard to have like have place that lens on every extension. We ask for the video walkthrough, but it's tough to balance. It is. Yeah, it's more does it deliver the result that's expected and does it have a side effect that's going to impact something else that was expected. And but to the point how we try to balance that is we we provide that 30-day, you know, refund policy. So you could test it for the early days, like no questions asked, you, you can request a refund. So we do that's one check that we put in there that it's like if you can't if you can't if you can't find whether or not it's it's compatible, works well, it fills your needs in 30 days, then that's almost on you. But we we, we set a policy to, to help facilitate that. So you got for those confidence and trust metrics, then you got the 30 days, you've got the quality checks for the products, and you've got the rating system in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Robert, I'm going to ask you, so you from a, a, host, a hosting and also as a strategist looking at WooCommerce and the trend, and what do you see evolving? Maybe some of the opportunities and threats that maybe Adipichu can take back to the team. Certainly, everyone's trying to get the WooCommerce experience to be uh, much easier for their end users. You know, that is, I think, the key. We talked about Adipichu, talked a lot about how do we make that process easier for direct extension providers. But it becomes incumbent upon whether you're a hosting company, an agency, whatnot, how do you make that onboarding experience as frictionless as possible and as intuitive as possible. So if I'm running a membership site, I'm not getting something that's built to 
be a point of sale system and taking some of that confusion and risk out of people making decisions that'll run their businesses. So I think there's still a lot of education when you're fighting against the, oh, it's Shopify. It does everything magically. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> and it, it's not going to be you know the solution for many people. And but what's the way to get that word out? And so that was going to be my little sneaky question was for that 60-40, 40-60 split, how can WooCommerce start? Where's that WooCommerce Super Bowl ad that says we're the ones and reach out and work with all of our partners? That kind of thing. You don't have to answer now because I know Ron would want to pick on Tanya and Robbie as no, well. No, I think that's a valid question. I think that's to come. And I, I think it's funny because as we because the ecosystem of WordPress and WooCommerce is so broad and there's so many different partners and players, like being able to like get that feedback and doing these kind of roundtables with you guys, I think just as we do more about putting ourselves out there and talking to partners and understanding what would make sense and what we could do more of, that's feedback that I personally love to hear and be able to take back to the lab and just say, okay, what can we do more? I, I think what we know is that we have a large community we have people who are building and doing a lot and they it's almost like advocates and it's easy to just like rely on those advocates to do the work for us. But I think, I, I think you'll see probably in the next, definitely within the next year of like organizational changes that we'll, we're making to, because we recognize that we need to do a lot of this communication and positioning our, our, ourselves. So I think you'll see just some, some changes that we'll make there to speak to that. Robbie, I know you also did, with the courses, you invested heavily with WooCommerce and you use it for your clients. For you, what are the sort of the opportunities and what would you like WooCommerce to see do more of? I actually have just been taking little mental notes here. I didn't want to write and just look like I wasn't paying attention, but, uh, and, and, and more, less my agency hat on this because I'm more thinking on the uh, training side of things here because I was like, okay, how do you rate those? How do I see what's most popular? So I know what to write tutorials or create courses about <laughs> and what should we include in there? So I was like, okay, because I do think that even you were talking about like when develop one of the things you said was developers find it's like the instructions for how to start the process and everything were hidden. I was like, Oh, that's great. We just need to write a little tutorial about that on our site. And then also, so I, I think that education is a real key part to all of this, obviously that's the world I'm in though. But I think that, like you said, you can look at, you can just look at an, a video of somebody installing it, but that doesn't give you the comprehension necessarily of how this is going to function. And maybe if you see the way it's going to function totally, you might know if it is going to be the fit for you or not the fit for you. And so I, I like I said, I was listening to all of this more from the training side of things, thinking about it, Ronald, but from the agency side of things, we've actually used a lot of things from the marketplace for our clients. And have they all 100% worked? No, no, they haven't. We'll be honest. There's conflicts that happen, but it's not just from the WooCommerce marketplace that we have conflicts happen. It's all the plugins. When you're talking about something as vast as WordPress, the amount of plugins that are out there, and then the amount of plugins that are internal to a plugin like WooCommerce, then it's very complex. You're you're going to have conflicts. I don't care what kind of, how much quality control that they do in the WooCommerce marketplace. They cannot predict that it is going to conflict with such an XYZ calendar out there. They just can't. They cannot do that. I understand that. And so I think from an, an agency side that agencies, we have to be, we know this, right? And so we just have to keep our cool when that happens. And we do have to though also report back, not in a mean way, not in a bad review way. We need to report these things back so that they can be fixed if they can, if they can be fixed. And by the way, we've hit roadblocks where 
we couldn't fix it between the two conflicting plugins. And so then we had to make choices. Yeah. And I like, I'm always curious about in terms of like education and tutorials, like what could be what, like, I think definitely on as a marketplace team, we'll kind of seem like we can surface, we can help surface more of that. Just bringing in like different experts and just talking together about how to create the best experience or how to the best pro- plugin. But I think, but I'm always curious about what you're, what you're seeing in terms of trends and what people want to know more about. So maybe it could be like an offline thing, but yeah. <laughs> Tonya, what do you think the, uh, the opportunities and, and threats are for, for WooCommerce and maybe more specific on the marketplace going ahead? Yeah, I've got a couple of trains of thought. <laughs> One kind of picks up on the educational point of view that uh, success for the product vendors and being successful to serve the needs of the merchants obviously then serves Woo and serves the merchants as well. So it's this balance of if something's out of kilter, then the market in itself has problems. Thinking about and discovering ways to help. You may have a developer who knows how to develop a product, but how about the marketing side? How about the getting that refinement and teaching and tools? So if I'm giving, I'm getting 60% and who's getting 40, besides the metrics, maybe there's some training programs in there that help me to surface to find, oop, my SEO needs help here. My target market is not falling and how do I find some of those ways to get better traction and get better search results out of that algorithm that we talked about. That's one. And then two, as we started to talk about conflicts, I come from the core side of things. There's a big repository of plugins and I wonder if there's some synergy there that can start to, how do some of those metrics come into play? Because those are going to affect the merchants as well mm-hmm. and the product vendors if there's a conflict that's not in going through that quality control is there some sort of synergy that can then happen between the wordpress community and the woocommerce community there as well so that's what i'm thinking about are those two different threads i to the education point just like again yes and what i get a lot of questions from our partners who are like oh like what other marketing levers can we use and as we grow, it gets harder to just say, oh, just do X, Y, and Z, and you'll get this, the, like, a floodgate of traffic. We won't necessarily ever promise that, especially as we continue to grow. But to your point about making sure they continue to understand what is taken into consideration and they understand how, it, basically, like, how it works and that we're communicating that, not just as a one-time thing, but maybe constantly, I, I think is a very valid point. And just, like, to combat those, like, questions and make sure that they're doing everything they can to basically set themselves up for success. Not guarantee success, but set themselves up for um, success. Path for success. And again, I, I do feel if, if it's not us in like within the woo marketplace side, that's giving those, those best practices, like not specifically for the marketplace, but just in terms of like general product quality and general customer service. Like we have our WooCommerce product teams. We have our WooCommerce support teams. We have like business leads who you're talking to day in and day out. If it's not us giving you those best practices of translating that, or if you're not if you're not gleaning that, then I don't think we as WooCommerce teams are doing what we're supposed to do. Again, I always say this: like we're facilitators, and and the goal, my I feel like my goal day in and day out is okay. How can I help make better or facilitate or better set up my my partner's business? So that's a it's tall order. The last questions really is with all that responsibility with so many contacts you're right there in the middle between the shop owner the developer the merchant you know everybody a lot of eyes on you 
making these connections, making it all happen. How do you sleep at night? Do you have a worry that you think, ah, I messed up. Can I just refresh? Can I do a backup? <laughs> Can't do that. There are literally times where I'm just, I have woken up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my God, I forgot to respond to this, this partner or, or, oh my God. It's just things that are going on. And uh, honestly, like I wouldn't, trade my position where I'm at or how I entered into WooCommerce for anything. Because again, like we were talking about earlier, it's the best way to just know what's going on. I love being able to launch products, but also have conversations with my developers, look at ratings and reviews because they all play together. And if I have that information, I can feed it back to partners and then feed it back internally. It, it, it is a learning curve. I'm not going to lie. There's a learning curve and, and taking in all that feedback can be a lot, but I honestly wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's like when you get those responses of people being excited to launch the marketplace, people being excited to have a conversation, people being excited that they've made 100K in revenue in one month and they hit that mark. Like that is, and there'll be a case study coming out that will talk to that. Stay tuned. But those are things that I like. I strive for that, that get me excited and that make all those random thoughts in the middle of the night worth right. it. Well, I'm going to thank all the, uh, the panelists and, of course, you, know, you as our special guest. But I have one final question. I hope we can end on that note. And as to for you to give us a glimpse of the future, maybe in one year time, or where you would like uh, your department or WooCommerce to be and just give us an idea. But otherwise, I think that's the last thing. So I'm going to say one more time, thank you very much for your time joining us and also to all the... No, thank, thank you all. And, and just thank you for continued support of WooCommerce. Um, and I think for me, just like specifically in the marketplace, I and if I look a year from now, I think we're going to be a marketplace that's going to continue to grow, potentially like double where we are now in terms of inventory. There's going to be a lot more, what portion of that product will be themes. A lot more will be SaaS products. We are, we're not only growing in terms of volume, but in terms of, of product diversification, which is very exciting. So that means we'll be able to work with even more partners and the team that's supporting it, like on the inside, it's going to continue to grow as e-commerce continues to grow and flourish. WooCommerce will do the same. So that's going to be pretty exciting and it'll continue to be a wild ride. <laughs> Never a dull moment. That's well, some sure. real good food for thought for anybody who wants to invest in developing with WooCommerce. Thank you for once again. Thanks everyone. Hey everyone, again, thanks for joining us and a special thanks to our pod friend support from WPActivityLog.com and GoDaddy Pro Hub to be found at dothewoo.io slash hub. Cheers, thanks for tuning in and keep on doing the woo.